Good morning. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, this morning we were uh, in our prayer time and we were, we were talking about that, you know, that we, we've come into this place and, and gathered here. And the Bible says where we're two or more gathered in Jesus' name, he is there. So that means like he's like sitting right there, you know. And as we worship, we can just see him there and imagine that we're worshiping him and so this morning, I want to encourage you to do the same as you come into this place and uh, as you sing, sing as, as, if, as if you're looking right at Jesus. And so um, that, that's the motivation of our worship this morning. So would you stand with us and let's sing Graves in the Garden. I searched the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough And you came along And put me back together Desire is now satisfied here in your love. Come on, sing it, church. Oh, there's nothing. You turn morning to dancing. 
I baptize you, my brothers, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with us and let's sing together.
wonderful name you have. You speak the name of Jesus and things change. You are worthy of our praise this morning, Lord. We give the glory and honor to you. taken from a passage in Philippians 2 and it starts like this 
in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to, uh, to take advantage of, of. Rather, he himself, uh, he, made, uh, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the people of God said, Amen, amen. You can be seated. Good morning, good to see you today. Our January emphasis is on a fresh start. Uh, you can have a fresh start in this new year. And uh, I'm sharing a series of sermons on that. And we want to encourage you to make a fresh start in church as well. And uh, so we encourage you to get in a connection group if you have not already done so. That's our small groups like Sunday school and uh, so for most of you in this service, it would mean coming an hour earlier at 8.30. We also have a group at 11, but it's just for adults. If you have uh, students or children or preschoolers, you, the full slate of groups is at 8.30. So you're going to need to come an hour earlier. Come to the Welcome Center, and um, they'll show you a list of groups, help you to find your own. Uh, next Sunday is Open House in Connection Groups. That just means it's going to be a welcoming time where it's especially easy to try a connection group. So you haven't tried one, that's the next step. I encourage you to come at 8.30 next Sunday. Go to the Welcome Center. They'll show you a list. They'll take you where you want to go. You can try a different one next time until you find a group that you fit in. Now, why do we emphasize that so much? The way that Jesus made disciples, he first of all preached. The second thing he did, he gathered his disciples into a group of 12 people and the interaction of that life is the way he made disciples we believe the same principle applies we want you to come to hear the word preached and we want you to gather into groups and share life with one another and pray together and help one another because it is in that way of gathering around the word that you will grow so i just want to encourage you if you haven't been in a group yet this is a great time to jump in next sunday will be open house I'm sharing a series of sermons entitled Fresh Start, uh, and I'm sharing the Bible stories of people who encountered Jesus and found a new beginning in that encounter. So my hope is in that one of these stories this month, if you'll come all month, will, you'll be able to identify with their situation, and you'll be able to find a fresh start as well, because we believe that it is in, in an encounter with Jesus that you can make a fresh start. So, today's story comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. It is the story of a man named Nicodemus. We begin in verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee. So, he was a Pharisee. That was his religious group. And that's important because that means he especially emphasized morality, purity, cleanness. He observed the Sabbath. He would fast. He tried to keep all the rules. That group was really big on trying to do what is right and obeying the law, and being pure, and being clean. 
and he's a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. There were 70 on the Sanhedrin or the Jewish ruling council. So he was a very important person. He was a leader in the community and in the faith. He was a respected person. And he came to Jesus, verse 2 says, at night. So we think, we don't know why, but we surmise it may have been he wanted a private audience. Some of the Pharisees were not receptive to Jesus. Uh, He just wants a a quiet setting where without peer pressure he can talk to Jesus perhaps. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So they were impressed by the miracles or signs of Jesus. And these miracles had led Nicodemus and others to believe, we know you've got to be a prophet or you couldn't do this. And the implied question of Nicodemus is, though, are you more than that? Who are you? That's what he's implying. Jesus' answer to him is very abrupt. I don't know if the conversation has been condensed and John's just telling us the highlights, or if this is immediately what Jesus came back with and Jesus is just going to cut to the heart of the matter right away. But here's what Jesus says. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus, he's saying, You want to know how to be right with God, to go to heaven? You're going to have to have a radical new beginning akin to starting all over in life, akin to being born again. Here's first what we learn about having a fresh start. If you want a fresh start in life, it's going to require change that is deeper than you think. We tend to minimize our issues and think that we can just fix it with minor corrections you know ah, I got some problems in my marriage but you know I, I, I'm working on it you know I, I got some money problems yeah I, I got some problems with pornography I, I've got an addiction we minimize we downplay and we just want to fix it um, maybe I need I need to get in church this year that's good well that's a good thing that alone is not going to fix your issues uh, well, I'm, I'm going to take a class, read a book, going to turn over a new leaf. That's great. That's not going to fix your issues. What we're learning here about a fresh start from Jesus, right off the bat, is he's saying you're gonna, it's going to take radical inner transformation. So you're, if you want a fresh start in life, the first thing you've got to get over is this minimizing those issues in your life. It's going to take a radical change. Now, Jesus said this to this man who is very religious. You get it? Uh, He's saying to a religious person, you must be born again. Religion will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people think that, but religion is not enough to do that because Nicodemus had the religion game down pat. He's doing all the religious stuff, and yet Jesus still said to him, you must be born again. So I want to make it very clear to you, if you're looking for a fresh start in life, if you want to go to heaven, it's not enough to come to church or be a member or to to be religious. You need to be born again. Catholics need to be born again. Presbyterians need to be born again. Baptists need to be born again. Non-denominational people need to be born again. Nobody, atheists need to be born again. You've got to be born again. 
You know, there, there's uh, some people uh, use the phrase "born again Christians." Well, he's a born again Christian, as if there might be some other type of Christian. There is no other type of Christian. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. Because Jesus clearly says here, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. It's every person. So just be doing religious stuff or being a member of a denomination won't get you to heaven. Jesus is saying this to not only a religious man, but a very moral man. So these Pharisees, they committed their lives to being clean and pure and separate. The name Pharisees means the separated ones. And so this was the big thing in their life. And so even to this very moral person, Jesus says, you must be born again. So you may be a very moral person. You think, well, that being born again stuff, that's for you know, people who are really messed up, addicts, people in prison. They're going to have to have a radical transformation, a whole new start. I get that, preacher, what you're saying about them, but not for me. I would have you to see who Jesus is saying this to, a very moral person. And you see, our morality is never enough. Our morality is like a veneer. You know what veneer is on furniture? looks really good on the outside. It's got a thin layer of some expensive, but it's, but it's lesser on the inside. It's not the same on the inside. And the problem is our morality doesn't go deep enough. Our hearts are wicked, and we may be doing good. and be good citizens. I pay my taxes. I don't get drunk. Don't cuss in front of kids. You know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm good. Jesus says, you must be born again. Because your need goes deeper than the surface. Well, Nicodemus can't get a hold of this. Look at his response in verse 4. How can someone be born when they are old? I get the idea that Nicodemus is probably not a young man. Don't, don't know how old he is. He might be middle-aged. He might be older. But he says, how could I start all over at this point in my life? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So Nicodemus is, is resisting this idea of such a radical change in his life at this point in his life. And I get that because the older you get, the harder it is to change, right? Right? The older you get, the harder it is to change because you've lived a certain way and it's just tough to think about a whole new kind of way of living and it may be that the way you're living is not producing good results in your happiness or your marriage or whatever but still it's just hard to change tracks when you've been headed that way for a long time change is hard that's that's why you get older you think all of the best music was when you were 15 to 25 years old you think all the best fashions were when you were 15 to 25. You think all the greatest cars were made when you were 15 to 25 years old because you're stuck in that and change is hard. It's why we in America don't use the metric system. Everybody else in the world uses the metric system. Why doesn't America, why don't we get on board with that? It makes more sense. We got these 16 ounces and a pound and we got these uh, 12 inches and a foot and all Why don't we get, we don't want to change. You know, why couldn't all the rest of the world change and be with us? You know, that's what we think. After the last service, somebody said, man, that would mess up football. I, I don't know how to watch football without that 100-yard football field, you know. Change is hard. And Nicodemus is sort of pushing back against that. And maybe you are too. Maybe you're saying, well, isn't there some other way 
because it's tough when you're older to change. And I get that, and that's why we emphasize evangelism for children and for students. Because most people who come to faith in Christ come before they're 25 years old. Because that's when you're more receptive to that change. But now I'm saying to you, even though that's the most important thing, you're never beyond hope for God to change you. And we're going to see that here. Jesus doubled down. Nicodemus protested. Jesus came back and said in verse 5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. What does Jesus mean by water and the Spirit? We know what he means by the Spirit. He means it has to be a spiritual birth, not a physical birth like you had at the beginning of your life, but a spiritual birth that's parallel to that. From above, you've got to have a spiritual Complete transformation. What does he mean by water? There are a lot of different uh, views of that for Christians. Let me share with you mine. Uh, I think you let John be his own interpreter. And here, there's a verse just a page earlier in the Bible where John used water and spirit together in the same verse when he's talking about the baptism of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says in John 1.33, I myself did not know him, that's Jesus, but the one who sent me, that's God, to baptize with water, told me the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John uses water about his baptism repentance and Jesus' baptism of the Spirit. And so I think Jesus here is linking himself with the forerunner, with John the Baptist, and he's validating it and says, yes, you must repent of your sin. As John had said, you must be born of water and be born of the Spirit. You've got to have this birth from above so your, your repentance and baptism by the holy spirit jesus goes on to say in verse six flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again the wind blows wherever it pleases you hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going so it is with everyone born of the spirit jesus has said this is going to be what you need for a fresh start is not just your own initiative or your own ingenuity or you're going to fix it in your life. It's got to be from God, a supernatural work of God, like the mysterious Holy Spirit who's like the wind. You can't see it, but it's very real, and it blows where it will, and the Holy Spirit causes this new birth, and you need a supernatural work of God in your life. Nicodemus still doesn't get it. He says in verse 9, How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Jesus said, You are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? So Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you should have had some understanding of what I'm talking about because you're a teacher of the Old Testament. Let me read to you one verse of the Old Testament that I think that Nicodemus should have seen some preparation for this. Uh, in the Old Testament, I'll read to you well, two or three verses. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Ezekiel prophesied that God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And that is a prophecy fulfilled in what Jesus is talking about here. He said, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law. You should have had some idea of this. Ezekiel had prophesied there's coming a time when I'm going to make a covenant that is inner and I'm going to change your desires and your wants because I'm going to do heart surgery on you, change you from the inside out and put my spirit to live within you to help you. 
And Jesus goes on in verse 12 to say, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus said, I, my credentials are I came down from heaven. I'm speaking the truth. So, to have a fresh start, if you're going to have to be born again, going to have to have this rattle transformation, how are you born again? If it is uh, so... Uh, mysterious there must be some chant or some incantation or something right no if it is so deep it must be really hard right it's a long process no it is very simple of how to be born again and Jesus is going to tell us here by using an Old Testament story that Nicodemus could understand Nicodemus is struggling with this concept and so Jesus is going to use an example from Numbers 21 in the Old Testament. Verse 14, Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, that's Jesus' title for himself, must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. You want to know how to be born again? What do you do to be born again? You believe in Jesus. It's that simple act of faith. If you believe that Jesus is God's Son, died for us, rose again, that He is our Savior, and you put your faith in Him, then you can have that radical transformation of being born again, and His Spirit will come within you and change your desires and live within you to give you power. Now, the story from the Old Testament that Jesus is referring to in this verse, in Numbers 21, when God had delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, and they're on their journey in the, through the desert to get to the promised land. And while they're traveling, they complain and whine a whole lot. And their complaints were, it says, they complained that the food was bad. Oh, this food, this manna is terrible. They complained they didn't have enough water. We're thirsty. We don't get to water soon enough. They complained, oh, it would have been better just to stay in Egypt. So God, because of their ungratefulness, the Bible says, sent poisonous snakes among their camp there in the desert. And the poisonous snakes bit some of them, and some of the people died. And those who were alive and who had been bitten by these snakes cried out to Moses and said, Moses, pray for us. We're suffering. Pray that God would take this away. We realize now that we have sinned and we've been ungrateful and we repent. Please pray and ask God to take these poisonous snakes away and to heal those of us who have been bitten. So Moses did. He prayed for the people. And God responded to his prayer and his grace. And he gave Moses these instructions. He said, Moses, I want you to construct a pole with a bronze snake on it. The image of these serpents that have been biting the people. And I want you to take this pole with this bronze snake on it and lift it up in the camp. There would have been a camped there in their tents, the hundreds of thousands of those Israelites. You lift it up where they can see it. And when you lift up my provision of salvation, when you lift up my agent of salvation, that anyone who looks at that snake on that pole will be healed. And so Moses did what God said. He constructed a bronze snake put it on a pole, and he had that pole lifted up high in the camp. And anyone who looked to that snake, 
That is, if you would just believe God's word enough that he said, if you'll look to this snake, you will be healed. And so if you look to the provision that God has made for your salvation, lift it up, you'd be healed. And I can just imagine there were people there in that camp. Just imagine with me how that would have been. And the Bible doesn't tell us this. I'm just trying to understand what that would have been like. There's some guy who's been bitten by a snake and he's lying in his tent and he's suffering and groaning and his wife comes in and she says to him, oh, wait, there's hope. God's, Moses has prayed to God and God's told him a way that you can be healed and, and he, he has made a snake and he's put it up on the camp and if you'll just look here out the, the door of the tent, you can see it and if you'll look at it, the, Moses said that God said you'd be healed. And I can just imagine a man saying, I... Don't bother me. I'm in pain. That's foolishness. Looking to something is not going to heal me. And I can just imagine his wife persisting and saying, Look, I'll pull the tent flap back. You don't have to get up. If you'll just pull, if you'll just lean, if you'll just pull over far enough, you can see it. And he says, Would you just not bother me? And finally she convinces him and he drags himself on his mallet to a mat where he can see that out that tent flap and see that snake. And when he looks in faith to the provision God has made, he's healed. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up in the wilderness the snake, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's referring to his crucifixion when he's going to be nailed to a pole and he is going to be lifted up. And when the Son of Man is lifted up on the cross, he says that whoever, verse 15, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And so the way to be born again is to look to God's provision, his agent of salvation. You believe that it is from God, and you look to him, and you put your faith in Jesus. And that simple looking to Jesus, believing in him, saves you. And that is how the supernatural work of the new birth happens in your life. So if you'll believe in Jesus, you can have a fresh start. If you believe in Jesus, you can have a radical transformation from the inside out that will produce in you new desires and give you power through His Spirit. That's the fresh start that you need. Now, you might be saying, well, this is a good message for people who aren't Christians but I've already been born again, and I've still got some problems in my marriage, still got some money problems, still got some problems in my temper that's just wrecking my life. And, and I, I, but this isn't going to help me. Yes, it is. Because the way you change as a Christian is the same way that you became a Christian. You never outgrow repentance and faith. You want a fresh start in your life where you are with some issue and you're already a Christian but you're struggling with something? You just come back to this same methodology. You do this again. You say, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I've already put my faith in you for salvation. But again, I cast myself on you. I look to you with my temper, with my addiction, with my problem, with my attitude. I'm looking to you. Help me, and may the power of the Spirit radically change you. It's the same methodology for growing as a Christian or living the Christian life as you become a Christian. This is what you need to do if you need a fresh start. And I want you to know it's never too late for you to have a fresh start. 
Nicodemus struggled with changing when he was old. And maybe you're old, or maybe you're not old, but you've just been living in the same way for a while, and you just wonder, could there really be a different way of life for me? I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, Carolyn Ingram is a member of our church, attends here. I asked permission Wednesday at prayer meeting if I could share the story of her husband, John. He is dead now, but John Ingram was not a believer through all of his life. He didn't come to church. Carolyn came by himself. I talked to him about faith, uh, uh, but he was not at all receptive. He wasn't rude or belligerent, but he wasn't warm or, uh, either. And uh, he was over 90 years old. And uh, we prayed for him, and uh, he got sick and went in the hospital, and Jake Dorak, our associate pastor, went to see him and uh, shared Christ again with him, prayed for him, and left, and no response. And then I saw him sometime later, and I, I said something to him. John, I'm, I'm still praying for you. If you ever want to talk, I'm praying for you that you'll accept Christ as Savior. And, and uh, he said, I have accepted Christ. And I said, when? He said, after Jake Dorak left that day at the hospital, I prayed. I realized that's what I needed, and I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. And I, went, and I was sort of skeptical. I'm just telling you, I'm a little skeptical, you know. Really? Here? But he, but he changed. His attitude changed. His demeanor changed. His countenance changed. He started coming to church. He, it made a difference in his life. He died when he was 94 years old. He was not well enough to ever be baptized. But he had a fresh start at age 94. You can too. There's a lady here today, I saw her in the hall, but I haven't asked permission to share her name, so I won't share her name with you. Two years ago, one week short of her 81st birthday, I baptized her here. She said, I, need, I, 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 I want to come to Christ. I need a, a new beginning in my life. It's never too late to have a fresh start. You may have been on the road that you're on for a long time. Let Nicodemus' story remind you, you must be born again. Whatever happened to Nicodemus? He didn't make a response here, it seems. He'd been on that road for a long time of self-righteousness and of an ear of morality and trying to be good. It was hard for him. There are two other places in the Gospel of John where we see him. Let me read them to you. Next, he appears in John chapter 7. We get just a glimpse of what's going on in his mind. The Pharisees, by this point, had turned against Jesus, most of them. And they had sent temple guards to arrest him. And it says in John 7, 45, Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? And no one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. <laughs> they, could, they sent him to arrest him, and they were just overcome with his teaching. They couldn't do it. And the Pharisees were upset. Verse 47, You mean he's deceived you also? Have any of you, the rulers of the Pharisees, believed in him? Have they, Nicodemus? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? You see, Nicodemus is not there yet, but he's open, isn't he? He at least wants to give him a hearing. He's at least saying, let's hear him out before we condemn him. And they reply, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. One more place in the Bible we encounter Nicodemus at the death of Jesus when he's died on a cross that afternoon. It says in John chapter 19 verse 38, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. 
Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. But now he's going to go public at the worst of times for Jesus. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body. The two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, which no one had ever been laid, and because it was the day of Jewish preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. doesn't say that he was a disciple like Joseph, but it sure seems like Nicodemus has finally identified with Jesus, and even at his death is willing to risk his peer pressure and claim that one. You, too, can have a fresh start in life. But it's going to require change that is deeper than you think. And you're going to have to quit trying to put a band-aid on a heart attack. You're going to have to try to quit just fixing things up and patching up your life. You're going to have to admit, I've got a heart problem, God. Deep in my heart, are where these things are coming out of my mouth and my attitude and my life. And I need you to change me from the inside out. I need to be born again. And the way you can be born again is simply you repent and put your faith in Jesus. Look to God's provision, the one lifted up. And if you are already a believer, and believers can get off track and become prodigals and fall into sin and get out of God's will, you can still have a fresh start. It's the same way, the same kind of pattern as being born again. You get desperate enough where you cry out to Him and you say, Jesus, I need some work in my life that I can't do, a supernatural work from above the Holy Spirit, and I ask you to do that. Would you do it with me right now? Let's pray together. Oh God, I pray... For those who have never received you as Savior, who have been counting on their morality or their religion or their church membership or rationalizing that they are too old and couldn't change, I pray right now that there might be someone who would come to say, God, I need a fresh start and I'm willing to abandon to you and let you change me from the inside out. Lord, I want to be born again. Jesus, I believe you're God's Son who died and rose again. And Lord, I want to pray on behalf of those who might be church members, Christians, who are born again, but they also need in this new year some changes in their lives. And Lord, in the same manner, may they abandon that area to your Lordship and put their faith, may they look to you. We pray these prayers in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me now as we sing a song of invitation? During this song is a time when you can publicly, if you prayed a prayer to receive Christ, you need to share that as Wyatt did in baptism. Next month we'll have baptism again. You could be baptized. Today, would you come, walk forward, meet me here to say, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be baptized. Decision Council will be here if you have questions or need somebody to talk to or pray with. I'll uh, be glad to help you with that. As God speaks to you, would you come?
Thank you for being here and worshiping with us today. We're 
We're so glad that you're here. We want to pray. We've got a group of students. We have 110 students and their leaders on a retreat at uh, Pigeon Forge Strength to Stand Retreat. We're praying for them today, uh, for their, many of them to encounter the life-changing power of God in their lives as we've talked about that here today. Glad you're here today. Hope you'll be back next week. As I mentioned, we have open house and connection groups. Great time to come be a part of that. If you're already in a connection group, hope you'll invite someone uh, to come with you uh, next Sunday. That'd be a great time to help somebody else uh, begin the steps to a fresh start in their life. Let's pray together as we go. Father, it's always an honor and a privilege together in your name, the name of your son, Jesus. And I pray your blessing upon these people who are here. As they live their lives this week, may we be aware of your presence. May we be aware of the mission that you have sent us out on. May we walk with joy and with peace and with righteousness the path you've laid out for us. We pray this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. What he's done, what he's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. What He's done. What He's done. All the glory. doing all the songs. Donna, get yourself up here, girl. <laughs> yeah.
high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your
Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you are here this morning, and uh, we want to we want to just start off by worship with a with a great song, the rock, uh, the solid rock, hymn number four oh six, hymn number four oh six. We stand and let's sing together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When dark, Sing it out, church. When he shall come with On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You can be seated. Ross has spoken, I am forgiven. 